Welcome to the NatureVax podcast, where we are talking with investors and entrepreneurs about climate change and the green economy. My name is Tarmo Verki, and today I'm speaking with Yehuda Borenstein from Climate Crop. Welcome to NatureVax, Yehuda. Please, ex- you know, please explain a little bit what you guys are exactly doing. Okay. So first, uh, I would like to thank you for the opportunity to share what we are doing uh, with you and with your audience. Um, what Climate Crop is doing is basically we found a way to improve the efficiency of plants and the way that they manage their energy. Uh, as you probably know, plants are doing photosynthesis and create sugars. And the sugars are basically the food or the energy for the plant, for everything it needs to grow and to support these uh, uh, systems. And because photosynthesis can be done only at night, uh, sorry, <laughs> only at day, uh, the plant has a mechanism that some of the sugars that they generate during the day, they store them in the leaves at the format of starch, and then consume them when they don't do photosynthesis, for example, at nighttime. So you can imagine it's like the lithium-ion battery that is attached uh, to a solar field. And whenever you don't have sun, you still need energy. And you can take the energy from the batteries. Now, we found the gene that is responsible in the plant to give a command to stop producing starch. And by using gene editing technique, we were able to modify this specific area. And by doing that, we can increase the amount of starch the plant is storing every day in the leaves. So if you think about it in terms of energy, We basically increase the amount of energy the plant has every day. So when he doesn't do photosynthesis at night, he goes to the bank and now we have more money in the bank. We have more energy in the bank. So the plants have more energy to grow during the night. And it's every day because every day the plant is renewing his reservoirs, his bank. And so basically as an outcome, the plants grow faster, the farmers can, uh, you know, do that take the crop down sooner than earlier yeah so we saw some very interesting stuff we first thing we saw we saw accelerated growth we saw more yield and then we noticed that we also saw better performances in extreme conditions for example drought or a heat wave and the reason for that is that during extreme conditions the plant stops doing photosynthesis because it doesn't want to lose water. And where he goes, he goes to the bank. And again, now the bank has more money in it. You can take more energy and the plant can survive better in extreme condition. And then following the extreme condition, because every day you have a little bit more energy, the plants recover much faster. So we saw much better recovery after a a heat wave or a drought. And this is exactly what you need now in the in the extreme climate conditions that are unexpected and more extreme than what it was before. Wow. Uh, how did you come up with that invention? I mean, modifying genetics is probably not something every guy can do in their garage. Or 
So I definitely not able to do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I don't have a garage. Uh, the technology came from Weizmann Institute in Israel. Uh, the lead researcher, uh, his name was uh, Professor Avichai Danon. Unfortunately, he passed away about a year and a half ago. And he was leading the research and they were looking to find the mechanism that control the starch production. And they discovered a new family of genes that uh, were around the control for the starch uh, production. And they noticed that one of them is kind of a little bit weird in terms of length and uh, uh, structure. And they said, okay, let's investigate that. So it was a newly discovered uh, gene uh, family or protein family uh, at Weizmann Institute. And I basically licensed the technology from them. And two of the postdocs that uh, did the research in uh, Weizmann Laboratory joined me as co-founders. Was it a long time ago? Uh, it looks, <laughs> it feels a long time ago. <laughs> it was a little bit more than a year ago. Ah. Uh, okay. We had a very hectic journey, interesting journey. Uh, when we just started, uh, I licensed the technology. And I think after two weeks, we found our first investor. It was an accelerator in the U.S. named IndiBio, an amazing accelerator, a very good group of people. And with their help, we actually realized what we have, because when we just started, we didn't even know what the potential and what we can do. What I didn't tell you is that all plants have this gene. So we can potentially upgrade anything you can think of. Uh, if it's corn, soybean, wheat, potatoes, and even trees, we can upgrade and give them the ability to have more yield and uh, better uh, behavior in uh, extreme climate conditions. Mm. I mean, sounds good, but I'm sure there are also a bunch of people who think that there are ethical challenges. Yes, that's correct. When when I just started the project, I didn't know anything about plants. Mm. And I heard those uh, three letters called GMO, mm. which was very frightening. And there is, when you look at GMO, there is one thing that uh, is kind of uh, people are scared of, uh, which I don't think they're right, but that's what alarming uh, usually our imagination is when you take a gene for from a certain plant or a certain animal or, or some bacteria, and you put it in a different plant. So you bring a foreign DNA into a different DNA. But we don't have it. What we are doing, we are only cutting a certain area in the DNA. So we don't introduce any foreign DNA. Mm. And this is why... At least I feel more comfortable that there shouldn't be any concern because this can happen naturally in nature without our, uh, um, uh, let's say, interference. Exactly. And as yeah. you said, the, the kind of actually the findings were made out of the nat natural results, basically. Well, I mean, as you said, the beginning of the researchers' work started from finding out that there were some of the things which look different from the others, right? Yeah, and, and we actually, in one of the plants that we looked at, we saw that that 
in one of the genes that happen naturally. Exactly. Uh, so we are now helping nature to mitigate better the situation that we created. Okay? Yeah. Uh, plants can adapt to mm. different, uh, but it takes time. Exactly. Okay? They, they can adapt their genetics, but they cannot adapt to what we are doing. And uh, so we are now helping them a little bit to adapt to the uh, mm. uh, situation that uh, we are now facing. Mm. How has the response been from the farmer's side? I assume some of them must be excited. The farmers has uh, almost nothing to lose. Okay, Ex if I can exactly. give you twenty percent more yield without any capex, without any more opex, uh, give you more resilience. There is no losing uh, for the farmer. The only thing you need to make sure is that you have all the regulations in place, all the certificates, and basically, once we get to the farmer, that's the part that. There is really no reason for them not to do it. Mm. Uh, where are you in today in the process? You said you started roughly a year ago, gone through the US Accelerator, get first funding. That from there have raised some more funding. I mean, how far are you from the kind of the you know selling for hundreds of millions or at least for millions, right? Yeah. So uh, plants work slowly, much slower than uh, what we want. Mm -hmm. uh, what we are doing right now is that all the transformations that were done at Weizmann Institute, uh, they were done for research purposes. So they were on model plants and uh, not on commercial varieties. And what we are doing right now is uh, using techniques that are considered non-GMO, non like uh, CRISPR, uh, on commercial varieties. Uh, we started with uh, potatoes, tomatoes, uh, tobacco, and lettuce. And uh, we have several projects that we are going to start quite soon, all of them with the non-GMO uh, uh, techniques. Well, when I say non-GMO, it depends on the region. In the U.S., it's non-GMO. In Europe, it's still GMO. Uh, but we are also looking on uh, very interesting techniques that... Uh, we will be able to identify and make this gene modification without CRISPR in a natural way. So it will be non-GMO worldwide. Uh, hopefully, we will be able to present this uh, technique and the uh, results in the next uh, coming few months. And I think that uh, commercially, we will be ready in uh, two, three years uh, to start uh, deployment after we will have more data and some field tests. And at some point uh, next year, after we will have more results, I basically will start another funding round so we can work on many plans at the same time. Mm. The idea is to go fast across the board to all the major crops. Of course. Makes uh, sense if that uh, gene is in all crops, then uh, deploying it as widely as possible. I mean, it could be that there is some certain crop where... It kind of starts to fly first, but making it available is probably a good, a good trick to kind of start off with. Yeah, uh, and it takes time to modify each crop. You know, it's mm. uh, not immediate. So in each crop, you need to learn the the technique, uh, how to modify it properly. Mm. So those things takes time. Mm. And does the modification happen so that uh, it will be included in the in the seed already, or do you need to go somewhere to do something with the plants or? No, it's in the seeds. Okay. 
Or basically, it goes from uh, one generation to the next generation. So the, uh, once it's modified, there is no need for any additional investment. Mm. You have it ready to go. And uh, this is what's uh, beautiful about this, because you don't need to do reinvestments uh, every time. You just get a better plant, a new generation of plants that are adapted to the climate. Okay, wow. And uh, at the same time, looking at how the climate is changing and how in some regions it's uh, changing really, really fast, I, I can, you know, the, the, the dilemma you were speaking earlier about how, how uh, plants are ready to change or are able to change, but not as fast as uh, actually the nature is changing, right? Yeah. Well, they probably, if it wasn't us, human intervention, they probably would be able to better adapt but uh, we kind of uh, change the rules of the, of the game, you know? Exactly, exactly. Uh, and and the, uh, the basically the change of the uh, kind of climate change speed combined with uh, nature's ability to change, the, those two speeds are just not matching. Wow. It's, is, is this, uh, I mean, do you see a lot of competition? Are there other small companies building something similar or... So uh, when I people ask me this question, uh, I, the, the answer is because we are dealing with a very specific gene and other companies may be doing something else with other genes, but with the same purpose, any competitor could be a collaborator. Of course. You know, so it might be that if we combine three genes that uh, all of them are helping to manage the energy better, uh, will give a be better results. Uh, now, usually as a startup, I prefer to collaborate with uh, bigger companies because the uh, two startups are usually not the best, uh, yes. uh, you know, uh, idea uh, to to work on. But at some point, uh, our major uh, competitors could be collaborators. Mm, exactly. Um and I assume kind of across the kind of agriculture related fields, anything which improves crop yields and uh, can make the plants more resilient to the climate change is probably a big sector or at least, you know, strongly emerging sector, right? Yes. And the, the potential is basically endless. And the, the challenges that we are facing is first, um, each region has its own crops, uh, which you need to modify the crops that are grown in that region. Mm. You may take a soybean that is uh, doing really good in uh, South America, but if you bring it to Israel, the climate conditions are different, and this particular variety of soybean may not perform very well. So plants are very regional. Exactly. Uh, and uh, so we will have to modify a lot of them. We need to build a system that we can modify fast. We can go to market fast. And that's exactly what we are working uh, right now. And we cannot handle regulation. So we, if, if it's a GMO, there is no chance that we can go to market in the right timeline, in the right price. So we mm -hmm. avoid using any technique that our modification will be considered GMO. We only do non-GMO. So we restrict ourselves to regions that gene editing is non-GMO. Mm -hmm. And with this new technique that uh, we are now trying to find, if that will work, we will be able to be non-GMO worldwide. 
Good luck with that. That sounds like a good challenge for you guys this year or Thank the coming months, much. right? Yeah. The, uh, if you look at the 2023, the new, the new year, what are the main challenges you are looking ahead or maybe, maybe the main milestones also? So the first major milestone is to demonstrate the same performance that we saw with the technique that is considered GMO using CRISPR or all this other method that we are trying. So this is the, the major milestone to demonstrate the same yield improvement, the same resilience that we had now using the non-GMO techniques. Mm -hmm. And uh, for you guys uh, showing it, you basically need to actually plant the crops and uh, then go and measure them through the one of one season. Or it kind of takes more time than for the software startups, right? Yeah, I would love it. It's, it's <laughs> we are changing the software of the plants, and uh, <laughs> that takes a little bit more time. Yeah. Uh, there are many things we can do uh, quite quickly. Uh, for example, once you modify the gene. Uh, because the starch is consumed and built on a daily base, so we can measure the amount of starch the plant is storing on a daily base and see that we can have the increase. So that gives us a first indication that we are in the right direction. But then in order to really qualify, you need to test the plant at least for a few seasons in different climates, in different lands. There are a lot of varieties. So in order to give the farmers the confidence that, that what they will buy will give them the expected results, you need to build a lot of data. You need to bring a lot of data. Mm, of course. Good. Uh, any concluding remarks? I think uh, our audience will probably understand quite, a, quite, quite kind of on a big picture level what you guys are doing and, and what's the opportunity for the, for the agricultural sector. And I'm sure there are some genetics listeners who are thinking that, hey, I know how to go and modify genes of something. So I'll try, I'll try to tap into this great opportunity. But, uh, you know, what's, uh, what's from your side? We are very open for collaborations. Uh, our whole business model is based on collaborating with others and uh, uh, with uh, farmers, with seed companies, with food uh, uh, companies. And uh, we're all uh, with an important mission. And uh, here we have an opportunity to upgrade plants and give them more resilience without a lot of uh, investment in CAPEX, which is quite rare when you fight climate. Usually you fight climate with CAPEX. Mm, exactly. Good. Uh, thank you, Judah, and uh, have a great 2023. Thank you very much. We need it. <laughs> Join us again for the next episode. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, please give us a good rating and leave the feedback in your podcast player so others will find it too. We will be back next week. Turn on to Nature Back Podcast. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Cast Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Electric 
Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric cast.